You're listening to the Next Generation Gym Owners People and Profits Podcast, where we focus on taking your passion and turning it into your profits. Join us for interviews with business experts, industry influencers, and more. Let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Next Generation Cheer and Gymnastics Owners Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cotton, and today we are going to be doing something a little bit different. We are going to be doing my thoughts after listening to episode 101 of the Let's Talk Cheer podcast hosted by Jason Larkins and my two cents uh, on some of the things that he was talking about on that episode. So it should be a fun one. Uh, This isn't really a um, business building podcast. It is primarily about cheer. It is in response to uh, some parent comments that were read on his podcast and he responded to, and I was listening to it and I was texting him and I was like, I got to do a response video to this. So um, here we are for it. Before we get into the episode, please make sure you have headed over to uh, cheer and gymnastics owners on Facebook. If you are a gym owner and you have requested to join that group, remember to answer the membership questions. It helps us get you approved faster. We have had hundreds of requests to join our groups just within the last couple weeks. And we want to make sure that we're only letting in gym owners to the gym owners group and actual coaches and gym owners to the coaches and owners group. If you're not a gym owner, head over to all-star cheer coaches and owners, join that Facebook group. We have a ton of great content, great conversations going on in that group. And then head over to our website, join our blog, get all of the great content that Danielle is sending out. She just sent out an amazing blog today, read the whole thing cover to cover. It was just fantastic content talking about uh, gym owners not putting their bad experiences on potentially new gym owners and and putting out bad advice. And it was for basically for those people who are getting ready to own a gym, you know, who you should be listening to and what you should be doing. Such an amazing blog. You can also get registered for our conference June 23rd through the 25th in Dallas, Texas. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Jason Larkins, uh, whose podcast I'm going to be talking about and responding to today is going to be there presenting. I will be there presenting. Uh, there will be a ton of other amazing presenters there um, putting on some really great content for coaches, managers, owners. Everyone in your gym is going to get something out of this conference. So make sure you get registered for that. All right. So without any further ado, let's get into the episode. So as I mentioned, I was listening to the Let's Talk to Your podcast. I leave every episode of this podcast suggesting people go over and listen to Jason's podcast. Uh, I absolutely love it. It's one of my, you know, while I'm driving, listen to his podcast or while I'm just generally doing chores around the house. He doesn't release as many as I do. He does generally one a week. Um, so I generally have some time to listen to my audiobooks and other podcasts uh, during other time, but I do always listen to his and this week's uh, just, it got me fired up. He was fired up. And I'll be honest, I kind of paused after he did his whole response because the, the bulk of the podcast was in response to this comment that was on Facebook. And I really, really wanted to take some time to, to break it down and talk about it with all of you. So getting into that, there was basically a a comment posted on Facebook uh, by a mom that his co-host saw in a kind of crazy mom's group. Um, I, I think it's probably one, like literally the group called crazy cheer moms. Um, and this person posted this comment and she read it to Jason and Jason was like, Whoa, there's just so much to break down. And so I am going to tell you, I'm going to read the comment, which I'm not really reading it. I transcribed it from their podcast. Um, so I'm going to read the comment as she read it. 
And then I'm going to break down my thoughts on some of the things that that Jason broke down, as well as just some of the thoughts I had listening to the episode. So the comment was this. Varsity scoring needs to be investigated, maybe even added to their lawsuit. We have been to several different varsity competitions this season. We have done the same routine and have had scores ranging from an 86 to a 96. I understand some fluctuations due to technique, but this is ridiculous. This weekend, we all of a sudden have a legality in our routine and no one has mentioned it before either. I call BS. Scores are very clearly based on personal relationships and padded pockets. There should be consistency across the board and clearly more judges training. Depending on the region of the competition, you can almost guess who will win, not by skill, but by gym owners' connections. Stop allowing gym owners to sponsor varsity events behind the scenes. Mandate unbiased judging panels and be consistent. The blatant level of greed and fraud is sickening. All right. So as I said before, that wasn't a comment from anyone I know. I don't, my understanding is it was an anonymous comment in this group. Um, so I, I don't know who posted it. And to be fair, listening to this person talk or, or their post, um, they seem very opinionated. And in my opinion, they seem undereducated. They don't know much about cheerleading. And they're kind of in that that parental realm that is really, really difficult where they know enough to have a substantial opinion, but they don't know enough to be well-informed. And this is a really difficult spot as a gym owner when you're dealing with parents when they're in this spot, because now they think they know what they're talking about and they really don't. They, they kind of do, but they really don't know what they're talking about. It's like me watching college football, right? I love football. And I, as a coach, I think I understand it better than some people, but I never physically played football competitively uh, because my parents wouldn't let me in high school. It's all I wanted to do. I absolutely loved it. I ended up being the athletic trainer for the team, which all in all probably was better for me because I learned a bunch of medical um, stuff that was has been very helpful for me as a coach but I never played football. And so me watching my favorite football team, the Oregon Ducks play football, this is like me commenting on all the things wrong with the play calling and uh, the various decisions that were made when really I know enough to know more than someone who just watches football for enjoyment. I understand the game a little bit, but I'm not a coach and I don't understand all of the nuances of everything. Like I can have an opinion, but my opinion is really not that valuable because I'm not coming from years of in-depth experience and knowledge. So this person comes across to me as just someone who is passionate. They obviously love uh, their their gym or their kids and they feel like they're getting a raw deal in this circumstance. And that's a horrible position to be in. Uh, it's never fun to feel like you're not being treated fairly or that you're getting a raw deal. Uh, but at the end of the day, this is a competitive sport and someone's going to lose. So it's oftentimes easy to leave feeling kind of raw about things. In fact, I actually had a comp a conversation similar to this with one of my teams. Um, I always, I talk about my senior four team a lot, very talented group of kids. And this year we are competing against one of our um, not really rivals because I'm best friends with a gym owner. Like seriously, we are truly like best friends. I love them to death and we have competed against each other head to head all year long. And, uh, her level four team is really, really good. Like 
really, really good. I, they may win it all when we go to D2 Summit. And we beat them at the first competition, and that was the last time we beat them when we went head-to-head. Every other time, they've beaten us. And they've beaten us because they're consistent and they're clean and they have great, great performances. And we are less consistent and we are less clean and we have just as much difficulty and just as much talent, but they definitely have a different poise on the mat. And so we're striving to achieve that uh, more consistently with our team. But I've told my kids, look, and I talked to them, actually, this was at NCA when this team wasn't even there. And I said, look, you guys, winners win. That's what winners do. Winners win. They're not sitting at home complaining about the judging. They're not complaining about the referees. You know, the winners are the ones who go out and win and they figure out a way to do it. And that's what we have to do. If we want to be the winners, if we want to win, then we have to win, right? Winners win. They find a way to win and they don't sit and have excuses and reasons for why they were done unfairly. We have a saying in our gym, which is leave no excuses. And that is not only to us to leave with no excuses, but it's also to leave the judges with no excuses, but to give us the placement we believe we deserve, which means we we have to be the best. We have to be better. We have to have better technique. We have to make it an unquestioning situation that we are going to win. I've, I've jokingly told my teams, you know, if we lose, it should, if we don't win, there should be a riot. Like people should want to burn the building down because it was so clear that we should have won. Now we haven't actually done that consistently this season. We've had moments, but they haven't done that. So they haven't followed that adage of winners win. Anyways, I digress. Now let's get into the response to the comments by this, this mom and uh, my thoughts on it. So number one, uh, it is inconceivable that a team can hit a routine both weekends and one weekend score an 86 and one weekend or an 86 one weekend and a 96 the next weekend hitting routines. Now I completely disagree that this is inconceivable. Um, This is actually what Jason said. That was his wording was that it was an inconceivable thing that a team would score that, that they would get a, uh, that low of a score at one event and then that high of a score at another event. And I, it is actually not inconceivable. It's actually very conceivable on this score sheet. Now, should it happen? No. And as a coach, would I be livid if my team scored that lowly low? Yes, but it is absolutely 150% possible. And there's two main reasons that this would occur. And Jason did break it down a little bit on his podcast, but I, I think he didn't consider a couple things that, um, he was giving people the benefit of the doubt in a, in a circumstance, which is, Um, number one, the most likely scenario for why you would have scored an 86 at one event and a 96 at another event is coaches who did not know the score sheet, AKA coaches error. You could say bad coaching, but I'm going to go with just coaches didn't know the score sheet. They weren't prepared for the changes or they didn't know how things were going to be impacted with this year's score sheet. It's very easy to see significant scoring swings. It's very, very significant for very minor things if they're following the score sheet the way they are supposed to. So let's say your team goes out there and they do hit their routine at their at their event, but they do every single skill not to a body position, or they don't even hit the advanced range of the skill. They only are in a level appropriate skill. So they get zero stunt difficulty drivers. Well, that's an automatic 0.8 
that you didn't get on your score. Now, if you lose that 0.8 and then you also factor in the fact that that's going to be multiplied by two, that's really 1.6 taken off of your score. So you missed all of those drivers. Now, let's say you didn't throw enough basket tosses. Well, that is a full point off of your score because you're going to not score the full two. So you're going to get a a 1.5, which means when it's multiplied, you're going to lose an entire point. What if you didn't have enough jumpers? Same thing. You're going to get a 1.5 potentially. That's going to be a full point. So just by some very, very small omissions or coaching errors, maybe a coach didn't count the right number, they didn't have enough standing tumbling passes, so they didn't score in range, you can really, really quickly drop six points off of your score right off the top because you weren't in the right difficulty ranges because you didn't count things correctly or you didn't choreograph the routine correctly. Now when you factor in getting execution scores that are a little bit low in some categories, maybe you get a a 0.5 off on jumps and basket tosses. Well, that's an entire point each there in execution getting that, you know, that 0.5 rather than uh, you know, so you get a 3.5 or a a 1.5 on jumps and a 1.5 on baskets instead of a 2. Well, now each one of those multiplied by 2 is a full point. So now you've lost 2 points there. So we've lost 1.6 points in um in our stunt drivers, maybe you don't get any of your tumbling drivers because you only threw level appropriate skills and not advanced skills. So that's another 1.6 points there. And then you don't hit your jumps and you don't hit your tosses in terms of the actual quantity of numbers or the skill that needs to be thrown. And the next thing you know, you're 10 points lost, 10 points off, easy, just in drivers and some minor execution errors. Jason actually did the math and he was talking about, hey, if you just lost 0.3 on every execution category and scored kind of marginally in the the bottom half of the score sheet, you would actually get an 88. And that's factoring in getting full difficulty. So imagine if one of those drivers was not there. Now, that could be, again, it could be a coaching thing. And I, I say that because I've seen that happen out here on the West Coast where talented teams had coaches who just didn't understand the score sheet, especially early in the season, and ended up scoring very, very low. There's another reason that this could happen, though, that doesn't exactly revolve around the coach, which is a performance error or an omission. If a stunt group falls on the very first stunt in a sequence, and your sequence is designed to hit all of the stunts in one section and that stunt never goes back up and you were at the bare minimum of stunts you needed to perform. Well, now you lose all of those drivers. You lose every single one because you didn't do it with enough groups and you're now that 1.6 down. So it can absolutely happen just by a performance error or maybe an athlete slips in a basket toss and they don't execute the skill. So but they do execute a toss. So it's not a deduction. So you did hitch your routine, but you didn't execute your routine correctly, meaning you dropped in score. If now what I do think is inconceivable is I think it is inconceivable for a team to hit their routine, receive all of their difficulty drivers, every single one. And it is 
fairly impossible at that point to score an 86. You would have to lose some of those drivers. You Or you would have to have done a really poorly executed routine, like very obviously the whole thing was saved, not really executed well. And then I maybe you could get to that 86, but that math would be tough. So again, there are some circumstances where that could occur, but it's rare. Now, I again, I don't think this is that crazy. We are seeing massive scoring swings this year. Massive. There are teams who have scored 90s on day one and 91s on day one and then gone back to score a 95, 96, 97 on day two. Your score can vary that much on this score sheet simply by a few very minor things and then some execution problems. If your routine is just poorly timed across the board, they can't figure out their synchronization. You've got Susie, Sarah, and Sally who are always on five when the actual count is three, and that becomes a widespread issue across the team. So stunts, pyramid, tumbling, everything is off. And then you have maybe some feet apart in tumbling and some, uh, you know, uh, some issues with bases being close together in stunts and just a few little things here and there. And you start losing 0.6, 0.7 on each of your execution driver and you don't perform your dance very well. And your kids look kind of deadpan. You're going to lose some points significantly without even hitting your, your diff or losing difficulty drivers. So it is very easy to be negatively impacted on this score sheet. Now, Hearing both sides of this, listening to this mom, do I think that there have been events where scores have been inflated, um, basically really, really high when they probably shouldn't have been and or really, really low when they probably shouldn't have been? Yes. Is it entirely possible for one judge to dramatically impact the scores? Yes. Do I think that the scoring system we currently have is perfect? No, not at all. But there are a number of considerations and, and things to look into when we're talking about how that works. All right. So number two was this weekend, we all of a sudden had a legality in our routine and no one had mentioned it before. And they called BS on that. Now, Jason, I think said this great, um, but I want to put my two cents in. And he was like, look, stop. You didn't all of a sudden have a legality. You've always had a legality and you just got called on it. And this I completely agree on. And I also agree with Jason that this is a coaching problem, right? It is the coach's responsibility to make sure routines are legal. There are so many resources out there, whether you're on USASF or the open score sheet to get things approved prior to an event and make sure that your skills are legal. It, it is not hard to do. You can absolutely make that happen, but it's only going to happen if you're paying attention and you're following the processes and submitting the information ahead of time. Like USASF has an app to submit things for legality. The Open has a way to submit video and say, is this legal and get a ruling. And if you have that ruling and then you get ruled as it's illegal and your coach can pull it up and go, nope, here it is, here's the video and they perform it exactly the same way and this is legal, then you'll get the points back. But this happens, everyone. And there's Jason talked about this too, but there are two reasons that things would be illegal. One would be it was just performed wrong. Like the the athlete was supposed to hold on, but they lost connection and it ended up being an illegal pyramid skill. Or we had this happen on one of our teams, our level two, they do a little swing through thing and 
It's designed, we've trained it, we've worked it, so it doesn't actually go inverted, but they were excited, they were hitting their routine, they went a little too high, and they get called for an inversion. Well, it was, I mean, we're talking milliseconds, but the judges were able to freeze frame it and say, look, her hips and her feet are above her head, that is inverted. And they were right. Was there suddenly illegality? I mean, yes, it was a performance error. It wasn't meant to be illegal, but it was performed in a manner that made it illegal. So that created a legality. Was that also, was it on the kids a little bit? Yes. Was it also on the coaches for having that needing to be drilled a little bit more? Yeah, it it absolutely is on the coaches. The other way is just that you choreograph something illegal. You just put something in that's illegal. Okay. I have had this happen to me. I am a coach and I choreograph all my own routines that I try to play as much as I can in the gray area. I try to get things that are unique and um, different. And that means you have to try and start to color outside those lines that are the crystal clear. Everyone does these things because we know they're legal. And I know the level four and six rules backwards and forwards. And I still refer to the rule book all the time. This is something that I, I talk about with coaches. And if you're a coach listening to this, there is no shame in pulling up the USASF rules on the regular. There is no shame in pulling up your score sheet and your rubric on the regular. I am checking the rubric and checking numbers over and over and over and over again all season long. People are always like, Dan, how do you know the score sheet so well? Because I look at it like twice a week. It's not just a, oh, I've read it one or two times, so now I understand it. I spend a lot of time learning it and studying it. And even then, I still get things wrong. So this is a coaching issue. If you are in a position where your gym is suddenly getting a legality, yes, is it annoying that you got called on it late in the season? Uh Uh-huh. I will tell you, there are lots of legalities that end up getting called at Cheersport, at NCA, and at Summit, and at Worlds. Why? Because people add things to their routines and forget to submit them and or because some of the better rules and legality judges are there, and so they are calling things. And that just is the way it is. Do rules and legality judges miss things sometimes? Absolutely, they do. They're one person watching the routine. They don't have a lot of time. It is easy to miss stuff if it's not clear-cut and flagrant. So they do miss things. But again, this is not a situation where someone was trying to do you dirty or I mean, the legality judge is rare, is not even affiliated with varsity, technically speaking. It is highly unlikely that that legality judge is sitting there and being like, oh, they're going to win. I'm going to call a legality to take that point away. That's that's just not happening. Most of the time, legality judges don't want to enforce legalities. They want to give the benefit of the doubt to the athletes. So if it looks like a performance error, they'll try to give them a warning. But Again, if it's a clearly illegal skill, like you're performing a roundup back cancer back tuck in a level two routine, you're going to get called on it. Or if you're doing a clearly illegal stunt, you're doing a full up to the top in level three on one leg, they're going to call you on it. Now, are there times where they get a little overly punitive? And, and Jason talked about this on his where, you know, oh, it turned a little too far, making it more than a half up in level two. Yeah, there there are times, and you can argue that as a coach, and sometimes you get it back, and sometimes you don't. So just know that it is absolutely possible. In fact, it is not irregular at all to suddenly have a legality, especially if 
your coaches have not spent the time to submit everything in their routine and make sure that their entire routine is legal. Anytime it's like, oh, I know it is, then you're running that risk. Okay. I always want that video in my inbox that says this is legal. All right. Continuing on. Scores are very clearly based on personal relationships and padded pockets. So um, I, I'm i just going to weigh in and say, I don't think this is true. Now, is it possible that this is based off of personal um, biases or relationships? Maybe, maybe in, to some extent that there are people that have a, uh, even if it's an unconscious expectation of excellence from certain gyms versus others, but I, I just don't see this. Um, I, I don't see how it's based off of padded pockets. They don't have time to be up on the stand uh, telling all the judges, hey, you need to make sure you give these people extra points. Um, I just I just don't see it. And I have many friends that judge and many friends that judge that have no problem telling me what is going on in the judging world. And I've never had any of them tell me that they've had an event producer, especially where this was specifically targeted at varsity, a varsity event producer come to them and say, Hey, this team's going to win or make sure you give this team extra points. I've just, I, I haven't seen that or judge this team extra hard because I want this team to win. And, and they gave us an extra thousand dollars. I just, I haven't seen that. Judges are not getting rich on competition weekends. Like they are human beings and there are multiple panels, but if you think you have a cheer hangover after a cheer weekend, try being a judge. Those people wake up, they start judging from the very first mini team or youth team or whoever performs first at 8 a.m. And oftentimes they are judging until 8 p.m. And they are watching cheerleading straight through. They get a lunch break. They get a couple little restroom breaks, but they are judging nonstop. It is very easy for your eyes to start to glaze over and have teams start to look the same. So if you're not coming out there and you're not leaving a impression on them, then you might not be scoring as well as you want to be. I don't believe it is based on personal relationships and or padded pockets. I can also tell you, and this is this will go into another subject, but I wouldn't even know how to pad the pockets. Like I, I don't, I'm a gym owner. I've been around for a long time. I don't know how to pad any pockets. I don't know who I would pay extra to make sure my teams would win. Um, maybe I just don't know because people know my moral standing and so they don't tell me those things. But I wouldn't know where to tell you to begin um, without getting like, I, I don't even know. That doesn't make sense to me. I don't even know who's judging an event until I get there. And half the time I'm like looking at the riser and like, oh, they're judging. Oh, they're judging. Um, so the point that there should be consistency across the board and more judges training. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. There should be a consistency across the board. You shouldn't see massive swings where teams are performing on one side of the country and there's everyone's scoring 94s, 95s, and then they go to the East Coast and suddenly they're scoring a 98 with the same routine with worse execution um, or vice versa. People are coming to the West Coast to get easier scoring. Like There should be consistency across the board. You should get consistent judging, but you can't even get that at an event, right? Like At events, there is inconsistent judging between panels. You'll have 
uh, one panel that will be high, up to two and three points higher, and then another panel that's being really, really hard and everyone is really low. And that oftentimes impacts paid bids in a really negative way for those teams that may be really good, but just got a hard panel that weekend. So yeah, what I love to see consistency across the board. Mm-hmm. Would I love to see more judges training? Yeah, I would. I think that would be great. Uh, the question is, what do you train them on? You know, I, I think they do judges training pretty frequently, but what is it that they're going to do to make sure that they are getting absolutely the best training? Uh, depending on the region of the competition, you can almost guess who will win, not by skill, but by the gym owner's connections. Um, I, I, I don't know how this person knows what the gym owner's connections are, other than maybe they've been in the industry for a long time and therefore they have a lot of connections. I think I have a good number of connections in the cheer industry. I don't have a ton. I'm not, I don't have, you know, the head of varsity's phone number. Um, there are people who have way more connections than I do, but I've been around for a long time. And especially on the West coast, I have a lot of connections out here, especially of the, with the event producers. Um, I don't, I don't see that positively impacting me in any way, shape or form. There are gyms that are brand new out here. They've been in existence for two years. I'll, I'll name them. There's a gym called Firehouse out here and another gym called Impact out here. They're both from the Tri-Cities area. Uh, they've been around for two years and one year respectively. Those programs in D2, which is the g- division that my team is or my gym is competing in this year, um, in the D2 division, they have gotten almost every single paid bid that exists for the summit out here on the West Coast. They've All of their teams have paid bids, every single one of them. So if, if if my connections were getting me favorable treatment, I would have loved to take those paid bids, but I, I didn't get them because I my connections had no impact on that. Now, do my connections give me an inside ability to send feedback to event producers and say, hey, this was really good. This wasn't great. Um, you know, you should check into these things or, hey, look into this scoring inconsistency. I had issues with that. Yeah. Have I done it? Yeah. I don't think that's an issue though. I'm doing it for the benefit of the entire sport and the entire Northwest. I'm letting people know what is going on. So I, I don't really see that. Um, I certainly don't see people winning based off of the region and them not being skilled. Now, when we start getting nitpicky about things and trying to find, you know, little stuff, I, I mean, I guess you could argue that maybe a personal feeling is weighing into the decision. I don't know. Have there been events that I've gone to and I have not agreed with who won? Yes, but not so much so that I was like, oh, that person clearly paid for that win. I just I just haven't seen it. I just don't see that occurring. And again, I wouldn't even know where to start, right? So they also go on to say, stop allowing owners at, to sponsor varsity events behind the scenes and mandate unbiased scoring. Well, number one, I think they do mandate unbiased scoring. And number two, I don't... How do how do I even sponsor a varsity event behind the scenes? Like I I don't know how to do that. I don't know any owners that know how to do that. I've asked. I've asked people. I've asked people who are well connected. Hey, do you know any way to you know give a little bit of extra juice to sponsor a varsity event? And they're like, no, I would have no idea. We just go and compete. And I, I think that's the truth. Now, do some gyms get favorable treatment at an event because they bring fifty percent of the event? Yes, they do in the sense of they may get a larger team room. Um, They're going to listen to that gym owner a little bit more because they're bringing in a lot of revenue. 
that's the way of the world though. Like, I don't know how to fix that. Should they get favorable treatment on the judges panel? No, they absolutely shouldn't. And I, I have no evidence that they do. Um, because when I look at those teams, they're, they're really good. And I have seen this year more, you know, not big name gyms beat big name gyms than I have any other season because this score sheet is not forgiving. If you make mistakes, you're going to lose points and you're going to lose like points, not just a half a point. You're going to lose points um, and it's going to hurt your score. And if you are consistent and you hit a good routine and you score well consistently, you're going to be winning events and you're going to beat some of those big name gyms. And it has nothing to do with what you paid ahead of time. All right. So we've been talking about this for a little bit. That is my response to the episode one of one of the Let's Talk Cheer podcast. If you haven't listened to the episode, I suggest you go listen to it. Jason is a way more entertaining speaker than I am. Um, I hope you loved this episode. Make sure that you go and check out the Let's Talk Cheer podcast in general. Listen to all of his episodes. He's got great stuff, interviews, amazing people, um, just really, really good content there. Um, lots of fun stuff on his podcast. If you love this, share it with someone who would get something out of it. We've got some great episodes coming for you this month, everyone. I really appreciate all the listeners uh, tuning in. I appreciate all the messages I've been getting on Facebook and emails I've been getting. It honestly, truly means so much to me. So thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us and the Next Gen Podcast. And with that, we will catch you on the next episode. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Next Generation Gym Owners People and Profits Podcast. If you would like to be featured on our podcast, click the link in our description to apply. If you're interested in joining NextGen, visit our website at www.nextgenowners.com. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening.